listening to Coon Hunting Confidentials on the Houndstooth Podcasting Network, where we explore anything and everything coon hunting and listen to coon hunting stories from across the nation that include cryptids, the paranormal, the unexplained, and a whole hell of crazy. I'm Daniel Felker, your host. Join me and my buddies, Dustin Faulkner and Ryan James, as we explore into the confidential side of coon hunting. Warning, some material may not be suitable for children. Yo, what's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Here we are, episode number two. I'm joined today with Ryan James. Hello. And Dustin Faulkner. How about it? Ah, we just been sitting here talking and cutting up before we started recording, thinking over some things, just laughing and cutting up. And so uh, in the middle of all of it, I just hit record and figured we'd start this thing out and go with it because we're going to be introducing a banger of a podcast here in a little bit. But, uh, like I said, thank y'all to everybody. Hey, if you like the podcast, tell somebody. Tell your mama, tell your daddy, tell your brother, tell your sister. Who else they got to tell, Ryan? Mr. Jangles. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to give us a review on Apple. Follow us, whatever platform you listen to your podcast through, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google. Comcast. All of whatever. There's a plethora of platforms but uh man so here we are and uh as everybody else is listening to this on a, on a wednesday we're recording this the day after we launched on thursday on uh, last wednesday so man we've had a lot going on um craziness had to work over the weekend dog hunted in a ukc hunt saturday oh slim he took a dog to ukc hunt saturday night him and little andy red we yeah. give a little shout out to Andy Reed. Yeah, a little Blicky. So he don't cry about it. Blicky Reed. We love him. He, he's a little sensitive fella. He's a pretty little fella. <laughs> 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 yeah, they, they give these kids, uh, they give them hell. He took that dog to a UKC hunt. It was a dead cast. They didn't do no good. But I was glad he's like, he, he manned up and took a dog, him and Andy. They, he asked me about if he could take Echo. Well, he takes her to a UKC hunt, and he's looking all, he was getting all excited, getting ready for the youth hunt coming up at Whitmire, and, you know, it possibly, you know, maybe getting qualified for the state youth hunt, and when I told him that Echo would come in heat Monday, he kind of like, well, you just ruined my plans. Broke his heart. I didn't ruin your plans, dog, but what ruined his plans is when I told him that me and Ryan were going to take him wins, take her Wednesday to Ashley Oxendine's house and drop her off at Big Countries. So he was asking me a little while ago, he said, what What am I supposed to hunt? Am I, supposed, am I going to be able to hunt Echo while she's you know pregnant and all that? I'm like, we'll, we'll cross that bridge, but I think you can hunt Grace, maybe. If, if not... I, he for damn sure can't say he can't call her. He shouldn't uh, be. Yeah. She's got a very unique mouth on her. Yeah, we took Grace the other night. She treated a coon. Took Ava, my little girl, uh, my wife, Georgia. She went. She stayed in the truck. She's not getting out walking in the cold. I left her the keys. Case, you know, it got old cold. She won't cut the truck on. Well, that's because Daniel will leave her in the woods by herself because he walks so fast. That is true. That's a shame. It's not a shame. I did slow down. Change. I had to. I had to slow down for Ava. I mean, she's she's nine she's years old, and, and, <laughs> and yeah, Georgia had her packed up like the dude on uh, the Christmas <laughs> the story, man. looking like the no, man. yeah, that too. But I, it was reminding me <laughs> of the old Christmas story. <laughs> and so, 
Ralphie. Yeah, the worst part of it was when we got in there, Grace had hold of armadillo. So I, you know, I swatted her across the nose with a little twig, sent her on. So she goes about 400 yards and she gets struck. And then Ava, she's like, Daddy, I got to, I got to pee. <laughs> so went through the process of all of that. And she had on like the thick coveralls. So she finally got all that stuff back on. By that time, Grace done treed. We got in there, found a coon, knocked it out, walked back out. It's a good night of hunting. That's what she needed, especially after I done swatted her across the nose on that armadillo. And I think Keisha treed one the same night. And then the night after that, oh, get she up on came. That mic. Oh, and then the night after that, she came in heat. So now she's in heat. Yep. Maybe Dustin just needs to bring his dog. That black dog's out there in the box. And we'll- Oh, you got a black dog in the box? Out there in the box right now. Y'all going hunting? I really don't feel like hunting in the cold rain tonight. Dude, I've been squirrel hunting in it all day. It ain't that bad. All we did was tree two squirrels and run a deer. I'm going to eat my Purdy, beans. Purdy run a deer. Burn them down. She never Purdy. barked could, but she was Oh, did she do that the other country. day? I thought so, and I know so now. Oh, man. But I woed her up. <laughs> 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 she didn't. On the way back down the road, she didn't even slow down at that where the deer crossed the road. Dustin, been squirrel hunting? Yeah, me and boys from the plant, Barry Schofield and Adam Jeter hunted yesterday. We ended up killing eight, but now it was an all afternoon affair starting at about one thirty till dark. And it was some hard hunting. And I didn't, I didn't introduce my cur dog last week, but I got a little curved female that's i took her to the vet today to have blood work done because i'm she's supposed to come in heat next month and i'm planning on breeding her to jeremy nichols h2 dog and she's straight off a 2020 festus and a grand pup off a hummer 2020 hummer all y'all squirrel dog folks know that bloodline i don't have a freaking clue i've heard of hummer of any of them well, I know, you know, when I used to take full cry, I kind of looked through it and and could saw could see some of them squirrel dogs. Mm-hmm. But since I quit carrying full cry, I have no idea about no squirrel dogs. Well, not no, not. I mean, I know Jeremy Nichols' dog just because I know Jeremy yeah, Nichols, right? Um, but as far as anything about how you know his dog, I don't know anything see, about his dog. Jeremy Nichols' dog is straight off a of Hummer. He he won the OMCB state hunt with him last weekend, but uh. I've heard he was good, but, man, I didn't know they were using thermals in the squirrel hunting world now. In the competitions, I guess they are. I hadn't – I mean, none of the folks I run with got that kind of money to play around with. They're not doing it pleasure hunting with me. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I reckon – I wish UKC would allow it. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, it's I definitely a great tool. I mean, it's, it's – a whole bunch of hell. I mean, is it fair? Is it, is it really fair if, if one cast no. has it and the other cast doesn't? Do, do you hold it against them? That's like you sending it's your kid to school with a with a, a lollipop, but the teacher won't let them have it because the, no, she don't like have one for all the rest of them. Without a Chromebook now. Hmm. Everybody else has got one. Your kid don't. Well, I mean, just, but the school provides it. You're supposed I'm, to have I'm just, one. I'm talking about if you did that. Yeah. I'm not saying it'd be messed up, but that's like if you sent – that's like if that cast has got a thermal, my cast don't have a thermal. Mm-hmm. So you think you, you but think they should if, send them out with the cast? They might as well. 
Uh, well, that's like that's like saying, "What if I?" They should just you not let them use the thermal. I mean, damn, we've been coon hunting for a long time without the thermal. <laughs> yeah, but technology's evolving. That's part of the hunt because being able to see that sucker. Well, you well, still you have, have a to bunch see of it dumb to score asses it. can walk around the woods. There ain't many dumb asses <laughs> can find a coon or a squirrel. Seeing some of them dumb asses out. <laughs> well, I mean, if everything's fair, then nobody will win a cast, though, man, because. Everybody, somebody's gonna have a better dog that night of the hunt. I I don't see it no different than me showing up. And they up might the, lose because they didn't have a thermal. And the sorry ass dog had a thermal. And the one coney tree hey, they found it with. If, if you listen to the podcast with John Strickland talking about big country, that I don't remember. Don't quote me on which big hunt it was. He won, but it, it he had he won that cast by having that thermal. And being able to see that coon and knew that coon was it was there because of that thermal and ended up. I think he had to show out and do all kind of stuff. Yeah, he was like, man, yeah, I'd like to right. see that. I would I have loved to see a video of that. I bet that was funny as hell. I'd be doing that to squirrels and beating on a tree with hammers and stuff. Hey, <laughs> well, y'all supposed to be introducing somebody. But though. anyway, y'all, <laughs> um, we had the privilege of getting to talk to uh, Mr. Johnny from Pennsylvania. And he had a most remarkable story. And when I when I put a um the filler out on on social media, it's Facebook. I put it on several different pages, and it was the one on one coon league where um somebody had tagged this guy in a post, and he come on there and commented on it. And I got in touch with him, and we ended up having a conversation. He called me the Saturday of uh, the Grand American. I was working, but we had about a forty minute conversation. And when we had that conversation, I knew we had to get him on the podcast because this is the kind of stuff I'm looking for. He knew coon dogs. He knew coon hunting. And he had a crazy experience, didn't he, Ryan? The most believable of the sort of experience I've ever heard. What what'd you think about it, Dustin? Man. He, but I uh, don't really believe most of them that I hear. Yeah. Uh, I might look at them and be like, hell yeah. I, I don't want to ruin it, man. I don't want to ruin yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to say I'm going to keep my comments to myself. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to ruin nothing. He's seen an alien. <laughs> but it, it, because I think we all have, as far as that goes, we, I think Ryan and I are kind of agree on the same, pretty much on the same page as far as the paranormal, uh, Bigfoot stuff, anything like that, kind of. Um, but everybody has different opinions. And when you start looking into it, you you get to, is it is Bigfoot a flesh and blood? Is he? Is it paranormal? He's both, or is it both? He's like a. I ain't gonna call him a demon or a spirit, but he's something. But they're he's both. I think so. I and I don't. I don't know exactly where Dustin lines. I think he's uh, a cryptid agnostic. Yeah, I don't know nothing about him, man. I have. I quit bullshitting. You know, you don't watch Bigfoot stories on TV or something. I mean, I watched the mountain monsters with them idiots running oh, around this, in them. Like, I, don't believe, I, I don't believe any of that. No, nah, that's a bunch of. That's all for TV. Yeah, but that's I, TV. I mean, but see, it's hilarious I now. I don't like. I, I don't believe none of the like uh, finding Bigfoot. Like the TV shows, most all the TV shows are like made for TV shows, right? And there's like that added aspect of whatever that this is going to make that tv show to make you watch it for a whole hour right and so um i think there's i don't believe all that stuff well but there's folklore and just about every modern and not even modern but every civilization indians uh native american native americans uh 
Well, I was talking about India Indians. They got something over there. Yeah. And then the sh- people, the people up there in Shangri-La with the Yeti. I mean, it's it's really weird that a bunch of these cultures all share this one thing in folklore. But like I say, I don't really know. I'm not super learned it's on the subject. Is that what you would call it? I've heard I that think, before. Yeah, I think so. That's what we're going to go for. Interdimensional um, being. Anyway, I hope y'all enjoyed this conversation we had with Mr. Johnny. Until next time, happy hunting, y'all. As a teenager, when I started, I'm 69 now. What, what's your, do you have a favorite breed, or do you just whatever? I, I like a good dog, but um, I've been uh, breeding for almost 40 years in the Walker line. Um, but, yeah, I, I like a good dog no matter what breed it is, and doesn't make a difference in his call. I don't care if it's a cur or a mutt. As long as that dog goes in there and treats coon and looks good at it, I like it. <laughs> you know? But I like I like a, I like a good hard hunting track dog. We have a track, good male because I gotta have it back here in the hills of uh, southwestern Pennsylvania because there's a lot of hills and river you know river bottoms and you you gotta be able to hear that dog carry through there, uh, especially if he drifts, strikes, drifts, you know, opens, you know that type of dog. But if he's gonna run it, he better run it. Uh, don't want a dog, you know, just straddle a track. Yeah. Um. When I talked to you Saturday, you mentioned something about that li- a loud leopard dog. Is that the kind of line that you normally have uh, stuck with over the years, or uh, you know, have you crossed? Yeah, out I've, I've 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 hunted everything out there. I've hunted everything: the hairy dogs, the night heat bozo dogs, uh, as far as walker dogs. Let's see. Um, Oh uh, shoot! What's that name? Of that old uh, Nance is breeding. Uh, uh, oh, you name it: Vance's Crab and Billy, uh, uh, Tennessee Lead. Uh, uh, so many different lines. See, I trained for years. I trained a lot of guys with dogs, and I went through a lot of them. And I just like what I like. What I see in a dog. Uh, because when I got into competition hunting, it takes a while to adjust to find what takes to win. And the only way you'll know is by getting your feet wet in there and learning the rules and don't take no crap. Stand your ground. That's a fact right there. Don't but take no crap. mouth, I love a mouth. I just love a mouth on a good dog. I want to hear a big ball mouth dog or a high-pitched squall. It just sounds like a beast when it goes through there. And everybody knows it's your dog. There ain't no doubt. Ain't no cur mouth dog running or chattering, chattering, chopping. Big loud ball mouth, big squall mouth dog on track. I just might prefer in in the in the mouth, but the ability is always first. That's right. My buddy Ryan, he finally he got here. He's joining us now. Howdy. How you doing there, Ryan? I'm making it. That's all we can do. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and so I told him, you know, you you just be yourself. You can talk however you want to talk. We don't care. You sound almost like you would fit in with I'm, the Southern boys. Yeah, there's no problem. Been down there. I had no issue. Well, I had a couple of them trying to put a noose around my neck, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little talk and a discussion. And when the smoke settled, I walked out of there with a, you know, a winner. I'll tell you what, I... From here to Oklahoma, just about every state of been, me and my buddy, and we did really good. Uh, we didn't get the big brass ring, but, boy, we come close a couple times. Placed fifth in the world hunt, placed fourth in the NKC world hunt, won a PKC nationals. Uh, oh, gee, Walker sectional state hunts, top four here in this day, top four. We've had our run, and um, and those I, um, you know, bred and, out of my line has, you know, also uh, proven herself. So not the most talked about line, very rare, very few, many, uh, few of them out there, but they're good. Let me tell you, they're, they're a good rock star, uh, uh, solid dog. When you, if you got the right one, I mean, it'll have the mouth, they have the ability to move a track and it just does its job. It doesn't, it doesn't look for help. It just goes to work, just like a good man does. You go in there, and if somebody don't show up, they're working on their sale. But that's, uh, yeah, that's what we've done through the years. Now, a lot of years of hard work. Well, that's that's definitely impressive to me. I've I've never even been in a competition hunt, sir. So I've I definitely well, appreciate somebody with the experience like that. Well, with when you're doing competition. You do meet a lot of people. I've met some pretty famous people over time. I mean, John Wick, um, what's his name down there? Um, Wonder World Hunt. Uh, There's uh, Bobby Allen or Buddy Allen. I can't even remember now. He had that night, our house leopard dog. Uh, There is, what's his name, still running. Uh, He ran against my buddy. Back in the time, 1983, when Hillbilly Mac won the first PCA World Hunt. If you look in that book, you'll see World Champion Hillbilly Mac. Second will be Diamond Jim. There was my buddy Tommy Huggins with Dunker Valley Chip. Fourth was um, Dick Brothers, then John Wickfield. And he was just, and my buddy just country boy, just like you, just plain old country boy, worked his dog by himself, and he competed with the best of the best in the world. And he proved it. I'm always saying it just takes a coon dog. Right. Like I tell everybody, uh, what we learned, you hear all this talk about these dogs out there, and then when you draw them, you say, that's the dog that won that, and you're just thumping him. You're saying, mm. you carry a big smile on your face and you don't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't say nothing. You just smile with a little pride. Yeah. My buddy Daniel but, here probably wouldn't be able to not say nothing. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't. I, I don't know if I would be. If, it, it would depend on the dog and who it was and how bad I was thumping them. <laughs> it depends. You know, right. I, It's like this. It's up to you. If you got that darn good dog that is deadly accurate, don't monkey around in there. He's going to get treed regardless of what the others do. And you're sitting there in the ass ahead. I mean, they're going to fold. They're going to just say, you know, I can't beat that dog. And a lot of them will drop out. 
And if uh, if they want to push uh, push the you know some people uh, are far and few between. They wanna they can't take the feet, even though you're beating them by two trees, you know, two coon. Uh, they still want to hunt down to that last second. So oh, what do you do? Strike and trim again. Just make them look bad. Make them fall out of <laughs> You want some more of this? I'll give you all you want, son. And, and, and then you say, now, you know what a coon dog is? Work off of it. Don't be stupid. Just like this. You guys are all friends. And there might be times you'd be joking with one another and saying, yeah, my dog better than yours. You think so? And there'll be that little challenge going on. So each one of you would want to have that dog that's just a, maybe a little quicker and faster than your buddy's dog. So that builds your your friends, I'm saying. This is how you build a better dog, because you compete them once in a while against one another. Then you notice who's got what blood, who's doing what, and you work those dogs that work for you in your area. Don't worry about way out in Missouri. Where about up and out in Arkansas or someplace? Where about where you live in North Carolina or South Carolina? Can work that train, know how to find them coon, know where to go to look for them coon, and don't slaughter them. They don't need a lot of coon. If they're on, just pull them, send them, pull them, send them. They don't need it. They don't need it. They'll do really good. <laughs> they're interested to hear your stories, and if you could, just tell us exactly how all that you well, told me. Well, through my years of through my years of coon hunting, I've came in, I've encountered some crazy stuff. And we today um, don't like to say something that we're not absolutely sure about because people make fun of you or they'll tease you and ride you, even your best friends, even your family members. But when you encounter something that knocks you for a loop, that you cannot believe you're looking at something. Or just say, if you've seen a UFO, <laughs> yeah, you see seeing UFOs now. You're like everybody else. Now, these things happen. These things really happen. Such as, uh, you know, the Patterson film, I seen it. The first time I seen it, I said, I knew right there and then, it's not a fake. That's real. You could tell by the way that thing was walking. That's not fake. Those monkey suits back in that time when I was growing up, maybe you boys haven't. I've seen all those movies with gorilla guys dressed up like gorillas and stuff. They had nothing like that. Not even Planet of the Apes had nothing like that. I said, that's real. That's a real thing. Man, that's crazy. But I never let it go to my head. I just said, wow. I've never seen one. I've never heard one. I wouldn't know. I mean, it would just be shocking to see something. And then one night it happened. I was, uh, after 30 years, my mind, after 30 years, the only thing that scared me is a grouse if I stepped on it and it fluttered up in front of you and give you that little startle. But it, or a pheasant will do it once or that little startle, it'll, it'll, start, you know, it'll uh, startle you, but it doesn't scare you. You go on about your night like it ain't nothing because you know these things are there. You've encountered them. You're used to them. And one night, I used to hunt from my house in Buckeye. And I would walk those river hills when the hides were paying good. And this was in 1992. It was uh, 
I had three dogs that night. I'd hunt them in a pack. Just kill every coon that climbed that tree. And because coon were paying anywhere from $50, $35. Man, you can rack up some money. And it was nice for Christmas and hunting gear. That little extra cash, and I enjoyed it. And believe me, I had a lot of ground to hunt. So I would walk. I didn't, you know, like, you know, today you get in your truck and you drive to your, around to your dog and all that stuff. We didn't have GPS. Uh, half of them didn't even have a uh, tracking system, couldn't afford them. But uh, this particular night, I left the house, sent him down through the hollow, tree the coon, went on up. Two dogs were split up on the ridge before you drop over to the river. I went to each dog's. You know, two on one tree, one on the other one. They all had coon. And they listened pretty good. They're what you'd call uh, pleasure dogs. And uh, I shot the coons out. I'm skinning them out. They struck another track. Now, this old boy gave them a run out around the hill. I'd say about maybe three-quarters of a mile. And they dropped down over the river hill, and that's about a 1,000 yards down. They crossed what they call Brown Ferry Road, and they treed right on the other side of it. I stood on the ledge and I listened to them pounding that tree. Now you boys all hunted. I'm sure everybody that likes a good tree dog, they don't leave that tree till you get there. You take them off or shoot a coon, or today you can tone them to make them come. That's it, you know? No pressure on them, no other dogs, you know, from the pool, nothing. They're all three on one tree. And I mean, they're loud and they're ringing. I come down that hill, and when my foot hit the road, I heard the most ungodliest thing that you, you just couldn't fathom, that sound. And the sound was so loud it rang that whole hollow all the way to the river, which was another mile. I mean, it rang it. And you talk, they talk about uh, infrasounds, infrasounds or something, them low dBs. Yes, sir, I know what you're talking about. Right. That thing shocked me. I felt it in my chest. I dropped like a little child, like a little three-year-old. Somebody screamed at him or somebody blew the horn and just froze. That's what I did, I actually froze. I dropped and my mind at that time was racing in every uh, video uh, in my brain of all the animals on, on the planet, elephants, tigers, uh, you know, monkeys, gorillas. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think and I, I believe me, I got a loud dog here. This dog was so loud that people couldn't, you couldn't, if I said, can you see the coon? I could scream it. You could not hear it over that dog. You'd have to say, shut that dog up. This thing drowned that dog out like he was like a little six-week-old month pup. Drowned him out. All this was flashing through my, you know, my mind. I was racing for answers, and then I left out another one. When that did... I started getting my bearings together. I pulled out my spotlight. I had to have one of them old jail cell spotlights. I whipped that bad boy out, and I started spotting. I said, where, where, where is this? Because it was everywhere. The sound was everywhere. 
and I happened to catch a set of big red glowing eyes. When I caught those eyes, those dogs were coming to me, crawling like wimpy little, I mean, chicken asses. And now I'm like, whoa, what, you know, what's all going on here? And I'm looking at these eyes and they're big red glowing eyes. Never seen eyes like that in the woods. I see amber, green, blue, nothing red like this. It just looked like two reflectors looking right at you. And this thing was taking a big poplar tree. It was eight inches around and it whipped it like a, like a little tree. And I, I'll tell you, I was so fearful of my life. I could not believe I was seeing what I was seeing. To see what the Patterson's uh, foot, I mean, that Patterson scene in that film, imagine that thing up close. Oh. I had a shit all in my pants. Oh, man. I, my stomach was flipping. I, I, I was going to, I thought I was going to puke. I was that scared. I'd have pissed my and pants. And it looked at me with these mean eyes, and it had these little short canine teeth when it opened its mouth and looked at me like it wanted to just ripped me all apart and I took uh, took it it was warning me now if this thing wanted me it could have ran right down there picked me up by my feet slammed me all over the place broke me in a million pieces you know I mean it could have just smashed every bone in my body the size of this thing was like a truck I mean a truck you take a Ford truck and stand it up it's on its ass on wheels that's what it looked like standing up there you would never think there was something that big in those woods as much as you hunt. And it whipped that tree. And that tree was every good 30 feet up. And it just whipped that tree like it was a little branch. And I thought it was going to pick it up and throw it at me. And I said, in the name of God, please save me. And I, I put my head down. I thought it, it was over. I thought I was dead. And then it shot up. And it got quiet. I mean, totally silence. I was, I mean, buddy, I, could, I still got the, the feeling of the fear in my body that night. It scared the living hell out of me. I'm a grown old man. I face guns in my face. But let me tell you, that was fear I've never felt in my life. It, it, was, it was bad. I was scared to death. When that thing went away, I never heard a sound. I would not. Those dogs hunkered at my feet like little wimpies. I mean, whimpering, they were scared. I was frozen scared. The shock waves from the sound, the fright of those eyes, those teeth, the way it shook that tree, you would not believe it. The mass on this thing. And I don't know why, but I keep sensing it was a female wanted me there was a baby close or something because this thing if it was a male more likely it just came down and just crushed me i couldn't have been no more than 20 25 yards he was that close i was i mean seriously boys they're real they mean business if those things want you they'll have you there ain't nothing you're going to do about it nothing so don't think you're going to go out there with your deer rifle and drop this thing. I think it's going to take a hell of a lot more. I don't care what people say, it's going to take a hell of a lot more. And I don't want to piss off nothing like that. It showed me just that little bit of rage to warn me. I, I'd hate to see it get pissed, really pissed.
furious, mad. Probably rip that tree out and just come down and just clobber me with it. I, I don't know. Put me, ram a stick in my ass and put me over a stake. I don't know. I'm just telling you, it was that powerful. It's a force you'll never, you can, your mind cannot wrap around it. You go, my God. I'm with you. I think it was a female. Like, cause like, just like a coyote booger bark at you, get you back from their den when you get too close. She's letting mm-hmm. you know you need to get out of there. She, it, I, I really sensed it was a female. Why? I don't know if it was feeding me that, that, but I just couldn't see all those years. I hunted those riverbanks, and then it happened. It was saying you're too close, Joe. You need to back out. Yes, yeah. sir. There was one interesting thing that you told me when when we talked the first time. You felt like something beforehand was throwing those pebbles at you and and bounced up. These were all leading up, but I never dreamed that I'd actually see one face to face. I was, uh, my first counter I was fishing with my brother and my nephew down on the Mungahela River. We always do that. We like to go catfishing late at night. So we was down there fishing. We was coming up out there. I was driving a 1969 Chevy Caprice. Big old, what was that, 427 in that bad, bad boy? How'd that old car run? We used it for fishing. So the car, the trunk was big enough to put four dead bodies in. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was huge. I ain't lying, man. That's what the mafia used, them big cars. And big old Lincolns and Cadillacs and Caprices. But they had big trunks back in that time. You'd be surprised. I seen people haul coal in the trunk of those cars. Yeah, that's how big it was. <laughs> a truck. <laughs> but anyway, I was coming up that road up on the River Hill there from the old mine. And there was an old uh, street light that was still working. And something was standing in the middle of the road. And I thought it was a human. Being a, a guy, but all I can see is a silhouette. But the thing odd about it, it was summertime. It's hot. And this thing had a hood on. It looked like a, he had a hood on his head. And it stuck up in the air. You know how people wear a hood and you see that little stick up on its head? Yes, sir. And where you wore a hood. And then it looked like he had an overcoat on. I'm thinking, man, what is this? Some old, you know, you think a homeless person, a bum or something. But. Not in this area, I would know. I, I live in, in this patch. I know everybody. But when we was coming up that road, which I was going pretty fast, just playing around with the car, that thing stood in the middle of the road. It took one, one jump, and it was on the other side. And I said, you see that dude jump? I told my brother. I says, man, I said, he thinks I'm going to run over him, you know. I could, I could see the silhouette, but I, I'm not crazy to run over somebody. And when we got up there, there was no guy there. And I thought, wow, Jesus, where did the guy go? And my brother asked the same thing. My nephew asked the same thing. I don't know. It was just here. So I stopped. I passed where I saw it. I started backing down. I had my brother get out this real bright spotlight I got for a deer spot. And we went down along that road and we're looking for brakes through all that milkweed and, you know, that broom brush or whatever, you know, we're looking. From being a hunter, you know, when you bust brush, you're going to make a path, you know, even through, you know, mulberry bushes or briars, you're going to break a path. 
who the hell wants to go straight up? It's like a 70 degree angle straight up. I mean, it's not 65. It's straight up. It's straight up like a, you know, like a high wall, you would call it almost. And it's straight up and there's nothing broke. I'm thinking, where did this guy go? My God. So I'm thinking, maybe I get out of the car. I'm looking along the side. I'm trying to see where this thing landed. I couldn't even find out where it landed. So it must have took one hell of a leap. Because in your mind, you're thinking, human can't jump that far. Maybe I saw a ghost. I don't know. I'm going home. Blow it off. About a month or so later, I'm down in this place called Peg's Hollow. It's a big old frog pond sits back in the bottom of the hollow there that just right above the river hills. And I'd get a creepy feeling in there sometimes, you know. Sometimes the frogs would be riveting in there. And sometimes it'd be stone quiet, and that's when you get that creepy feeling. Well, hey, right over the hill from there is where I had my encounter. My six senses were kicking in, but I sat down the tree, and my dog, big loud dog, old house is uh, Jordan Swin, I call him. It was a dual grand. He's running a track through there. Sounds beautiful, and you know it's a cold track, and he's drifting and he's pushing it. And I'm sitting there listening to him, and all of a sudden, bang! I get hit in the head. What it seemed like a pebble. I don't know what it was. It was a pebble, but it hit me right on the head. And I thought maybe a flying squirrel came flying hit me or something. So I'm looking around, nothing. Look up the tree, see if there's a flying squirrel bounced off my head, went up the tree, nothing. So I just shook it off and then bang, got it again. Same spot. I mean, this guy's right on the money. But this time I heard it come through the leaves. So I thought it was that that guy that lived by himself up, up over the ridge here. This old shack throwing rocks down there to you know scare me or something. So I hollered at him. His name was Bucky. I say, Hey Bucky, if you're up here, quit throwing them stones. And he says, uh, I mean, he didn't say nothing. There was nothing said. And I'm thinking, man, wait a minute. You get through these woods, you gotta have a light. You know, we can't see in the dark. No sound, no nothing. So I said, I'm getting out of here. So I got up and I went when the dog treed. I went in there and got the dog and I left. That's another encounter, weird thing that happened to me. Well, the night when you was on the road, how did you did you leave back out there on that road that night, or did you go back the way you came? I probably would have been. What high what, what road is that? When I had the encounter? Yeah, when you had the encounter. I backed up. There's a road that goes all the way back up the ridge. I came through the woods. I hunted. For, I walked the road all the way home. I would not go hunting back the rest of the night. Never been back there since. Yeah, I was about to say I would. I do not blame you at all. I did no, no. I, 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 I mean, this thing impacted me for the rest of my life to this day. That was in '92, so this is 22. 30 uh, years. 30 years, I still carry that. Uh, yeah, and I'm always very alert. Uh, when my senses tell me something, I get out of there. Um, I've had a couple. I had another encounter with him. I've seen his eyes. Again, those eyes, you never forget. You never forget that stare. Um, I was out 
but further down the river, I have to face my fears. So I got the dogs loose. No problem. Go down there another time. No problem. Please come down this time. Man, I'm not having a good feeling. But I fight my fears, you know. Now, I'm an old tough guy. I've seen it all. Sure enough, dogs go in there and strike, and they go all the way to the bottom of the river, and they tree right on the river's edge. Thinking I have my light charged, almost positive, it goes out. Crazy. My phone. No more than maybe a minute, my phone goes dead, because I, I like to record. It goes dead. I says, ooh, this ain't good. How am I going to get down there? But what the weirdest thing is, my tracker did not go dead. My, you know, my garment. And I'm using that garment to light the ground to find my way all the way down that river hill. And at the same time, I got the creepiest feeling because now I'm in, I'm in within his area, and I'm scared. I am scared, but I'm not. I'm not a chicken. I mean, I've. I've you know, I know it's there. I'm just hoping I don't see it. It don't bother me. So I find this old four-wheeler trail, and I stay on it. And it's real. It got bad. Uh, what do you call it? Real bad ruts in it. You got to be careful. You don't sprain your ankle and stuff because it's going straight down about a sixty-five degree angle. A lot of rocks in there and stuff. So I get down there, and I get on the old track road, the old railroad tracks. It's the rails are gone. It's just you know, coal ash laying there now. I get on it, and the dogs are just right down there about maybe 75 yards. I come down there, and the trail, forward trail comes off of that old track trail right to the dogs. Now, mind you, I got no light. I got two dogs on a tree. I got to get them out of there, and I got to leash them. These dogs are not trained to heal on command. So I put them on a leash, but I remember, wow, they got collars on them. They got them lights. So I turned the lights on on the dog collars. I took the one off the dog, put it on my head. Now, you know, if you have tracking collars with those little lights on, they don't give too much light, but enough to see in front of you on the ground. And when I come back, up from the river, took the dolls off the tree. I happened to turn to the left. My head turned left, and there, there he was, with those big red glowing eyes staring at me. He was watching me. I'm telling you, he was watching me. I said, "Oh, in the name of God!" I mean, here goes that fear factor. And I just said to him, "I says, please don't hurt me. I'm not here to harm you. You ought to know who I am." You see me here many, many times over the years. I am not here to harm you. I just want to do what I do, you know, just coon hunt. I talk into it, but through the mind. And I walked, I'll, you know, down that old track road to I get to hard top, and I'm going to walk that hard top all the way back to that truck. I'm not going back through those woods. So I'm walking at the same time, my stomach's all in knots. I'm thinking this thing. I'm listening. I mean, all my senses are on high alert. Felt like I'm thinking any time now I'm going to hear, <sighs> that's it. It's over. It's all over with. 
but it didn't happen. But I carried that fear all the way to that road, and that was about a mile and a half with those two dogs. And what was funny, it didn't say nothing, and the dogs stayed like they were supposed to. After I got done with that whole ordeal, I went back there the next morning looking for reflectors, big old round posts they put on posts. These things, these eyes are big. They were bigger than a silver dollar. They were just big, red, glowing eyes. And when I went back there, there was none. None posted along there, nowhere. I had to walk almost two miles down that track just to find one blue one. It was a blue reflector, small one, the size they put on bicycles. If you remember when they put them on bicycles years ago, yes. the, so the car light hit them and see the kid was riding the bike or in their pedals. But they had like a little blue one. That's all it was. Then I knew that that made me right there, gave me all the proof I need to know. He knows I'm here. He's watching me. I need to stay away. So from there on, I haven't been down there since. I said, you know what? He can have it. There's too many other. <laughs> I don't blame you. Too many other game lands to go to and hunting spots. And he can have it. I won't bother him no more. Yes, sir. There's too much woods out there. Yeah. Hey, have you ever been on like on the other side of the river hunting and just cut, yes. like, felt like you could just feel it watching you or anything like that? No, but I, I know they can swim. I mean, God, I mean, these things are, in, you know, they're incredible. I mean, if we can swim, they can swim. They're not going to drown. And um, the power they got, they, they just look like, uh, you know, like uh, I seen a video where some people caught a Sasquatch in a big creek up up in British Columbia. And it looked like a bear. They thought there was a video of a bear until it stood up and walked. And you go, wow, they look like a freaking bear in that water. I mean, it had his head in the water and everything. So. They have no problem with water. They can cross water just like any other animal. You know, deers do it. Bears will get in it and do it. Elk, all, all of them do. Oh, yeah. Nakuna will swim the water. I don't know about foxes. I know rabbits won't, but. I've seen a rabbit swim. They, we got a lot I, of I'm not saying they can. There. I'm just saying I've never seen it in the river because I've, I've, I've hunted along the river for, you know, most of my life. But, uh, Another t um, time, I was on the other side of the river. I just got out of the truck, and I believe we had a little uh, discussion about this. I saw a dog named Hank. Oh, he'll be Mac 90 dog, the little rascal. And uh, got him out of the truck. I sent him. As soon as I sent him, I heard it sound like a wolf, not a coyote. It sounded more like a wolf. It had a bigger mouth, deeper, and it had that, oh, not a whoop, like a, like a howl. And then about, no sooner I heard that, I heard a bunch of coyotes go off about maybe 300 yards, 400 yards back up the ridge. So I didn't know, and I can't say it was a Sasquatch. It wasn't a whoop. 
So if they imitate sounds, they got he's probably got neighbors saying, hey, you know that guy? I don't know what to think. And he was not far from my truck, probably no more than 100 yards from my truck. I can pick that sound out good. Being coon hunters, we know. We're, we're used to listening to dogs in certain positions uh, in the woods and how far they are. We're always guessing that stuff, and we come up pretty good with it. And the more time you do it, you, you just get to be pretty uh, a professional at it. You know, you, you perfect your art. Yes, sir. Oh, that dog's 150 yards. Oh, that dog's better than that. Nah, that dog's only 150 yards. And you find out that dog's only about 150 yards. But, yeah, I knew exactly where it was. When I heard that, and then I heard the coyotes up there, I got a bad feeling. It's too quiet. I called Hank. Hank spoke. Hank comes. I got to get to that truck. I want to get out of here. I don't want no parts of this stuff. Now, somebody out there in TV land or radio land might say, oh, that guy's just a big chicken bullshit. I've hunted by myself all my life, night after night, trained dogs up one side of the hill, down the side, down the river bottoms, up on top of the mountains. So don't give me that line of shit. I'm scared to go. I'm not scared of a bear. I've encountered bears. It doesn't scare me. I see them. They go. They're scared of you more than you are scared of them. You see what I mean? Yes, the only sir. thing I'd be scared of is a rattlesnake or something. That would startle me. I'd be backing off easy. But when you see something like this, it puts a fear in you. You never forget. And you're wondering what all they truly know. What sounds do they can incorporate in their vocals from living in there all their, you know, maybe before we were even here. God knows. So things, you start thinking about the Bible, uh, the Nephilims and uh, the Guardians of the Woods. Hey. Man, you were right on point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we know yeah, what you mean. They're the yeah. protector. You go, hey, these things, they exist. We've had they a bunch of discussions really exist. on that. I, I was scared, but yes, I seen one, and I, I'll take it to my grave. Uh, it was really powerful and beautiful, but the most dramatic thing that impacted my whole life. I mean, it scared me to the point I, I just can't get rid of it out of my head. But it, it, it still didn't keep you from wanting to go coon hunting, though, did it? Oh, no. No, I'm getting older. I don't care to go. Dog don't do it natural. I'm not out there dragging hides for him. If he can't do it natural, I don't want him. I just want a natural. I figured I put enough years in the line. If it don't work, then all that time was wasted. If you put your life dog after dog, to do the same thing you want that good dog to do, your corner, your stone. You build your house off, off that cornerstone, and you work your way around, and you build it up. Well, that's just like that, that leopard dog I had. He was the most powerful track dog, loud. He had it all going, beautiful tree dog. I mean, my Lord. And get him in the open, it was like him having a field day in the park. Put him in that thick, uh, um, you know, Thickets and stuff, he would plow through that stuff like he's a big old tank. He didn't care. He didn't go around or under those branches or those logs. He'd go right over them or right through them. <laughs> You'd see him cutting right through those briars. He wasn't afraid. And, uh, yeah, that was the most impressive dog I owned at that time. And he changed my life thinking of all the dogs I played with, uh, that's the kind of dogs I like, you know. Was that but le- just a little bit more grit on the tree? 
Was that leopard? Was he? Um, was he more he towards was the hound side? Mac and Bozo. So it, it, that leopard, he was he was more toward the hound side than the curse. Say, he's saying lipper. Oh, lipper! I thought you said a leopard. No, he's saying lipper. Oh, no, house yeah. is lipper. Oh, okay. If, okay. If, you, if you're a walker man, it's yes, called sir. house is lipper. He's size. He's in the Hall of Fame. Oh yes, sir. We know uh, th- we know who Lipper is. I, I I thought you were saying leopard, like a leopard yeah. hound. No, yeah, I, that, I, I, I got my two bottom teeth knocked out. Oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, my wife. You know, she's a pretty big woman. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had her that name when Sasquatch was there. <laughs> suck her on. Go get him, girl. Get that big boy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Those lipper you know, dogs. Women, are... they get the screaming and hollering. They, you just hunker down and walk away. Yes, sir. So, uh, talking about lipper, um, you think were those about the loudest dogs that you ever come across? Uh, no. I mean, as far as volume, here's the ones I like. As far as volume, Joe House, his lipper dogs. Um. What was the name of that dog, that line? Uh, it's real, real. They're very rare anymore. You hardly ever see them, but they're good-looking dogs, too. The Finley River. Listen to me. The banjo, that old Johnson banjo breeding. Big mouths, big tenor balls. Those were the, that's what the old boys used. They were track dogs. That, and let me tell you, all this shit they went through these years, I went down to a friend of mine. Before he died, and he ordered a dog from the state of Washington on a big game dogs that carried Johnson's banjo. Now, he was banjo three. And he had him shipped all the way from Washington. I had one hell of a coon dog, competition dog, pleasure dog, you name Charlie was a bad little dude. He, you know, he was son out of that big flint dog, and he was nice. He, he had the bozo, he doubled up on the bozo, you know, and a little bit more in my back. But he was a tall, good-looking cat footer. You could put him in a band show, put him in a 900, he could win in mode. And But he was semi-open, and he was tight, a little tight on track till he got medium to hot, and then he'd open up, and then boom, hit it with that locator, it was over. Beautiful, staple tree dog with a coon every time. Never, ever run junk, never seen him in a hole. Well, uh, I came down to my buddy, old Ed Porter's at that time. And I came up and I said, Ed, I says, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm sitting here. John ain't been feeling good. I said, what happened? He said, oh, I got cancer, John. I said, holy shit. And, and me and Ed go back many years from playing music together and doing a little coon hunting, pleasure hunting. And do a little ginseng picking. Well, I said, wow, Ed. I said, man, I'm really sorry to hear that. He says, well, John, I got a young dog out there. I sent from Washington. And uh, a young pup, about six, seven months old. If you want him, you can have him. Man, I didn't want a dog, you know. He trained them dogs all the time. I don't know what this dog's out of. I said, but, you know, I'm going to be nice and courtesy. I said, okay, I'll, I'll take a look at him. And I figure I'll help him out. He wants to get rid of the dog. Well, doing what I do, you know a lot of people. So I go down there and I look at this dog. And man, the mouth on that dog. 
And I said, man, I don't know, man. He's up there with Flint. Maybe a little louder. He's just a pup, though. I said, you ever hunt this dog yet? He said, no, John, never had him off leash. You can have him. I said, well, if I turn him loose and he runs the trees, he said, you can still have him. I can't do it, John. I'm too sick. I said, okay, I'm going to cut back in here. Beautiful hunting. I'm going to try him out. Sure enough, tried him out. He went in there. Big million dollar mouth. He struck with my dog. My dog treed. He treed right there beside that pup, that old dog. I looked at that pup. I said, Mom, taking that dog. Heck yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I like that stuff. Natural. I shot the coon out and he got on it. And Heck, after three nights, he was split tree with his own coon. Sound good, sound great. And dummy me sold him because. I had a very rare dog in my hand, back out of Johnson, uh, banjo, Johnson's banjo number three. And went back to the, the great old Johnson's banjo. That's what they hunted mountain lions with. And, you know, and uh, bear, you know, that's what they used them for. And they had, those dogs had to be pretty loud who, and they had to have a lot of stamina to, hunt like that all night, you know. Some of them would rig them, some of them would just cut them loose and let them go. Some bear hounds got a lot of stamina if they can stay in there. you got to have stamina. You know? But, uh, yeah, I, I found that dog a good home and I didn't know much about it except for, wow, Johnson and Big Mouth. Bailey River Johnson Banjo Houses Lipper, that's it. Those are the big ones. Those are the kingpins of the big, cold nose, big mouth dogs. You still have dogs? Yes, I do. They're they're exactly what I like. They're uh, mostly house bred. I've got some uh, uh, tequila sunrise. I've hunted with young dogs out of him I didn't care for. Then there was a dog that came out of him called Tequila Cane. He's a freaking nature. Just a country coon dog that put dogs on the ground, as far as I'm concerned. Big hunters, beautiful, big track power, beautiful stand on wood tree dogs. And I got one of them. And it went out of uh, uh, the bottom side, which I didn't care for, was old Bo Jangles of that there Barnes boy down there that owned that uh, hillbilly Bo Jangles. I hunted with him, nice mouth. Good tree dog, too rough. Didn't, he just wasn't fast enough for me. Uh, but otherwise, everything else, he fit nice. He was a good, safe put tree dog, just a little too aggressive. I, you got to watch that when you go Bozo Mac because they're tree dogs. You get a little too much of that in there, and now you got a bunch of little, you know, dog grabbers in there. They, they want to scrap. You know, they get fired up, they want to scrap. You, you can't have that in competition. Yes, sir. Or even in pleasure hunting. Yeah, what was that? We was listening to a podcast. I can't remember exactly which one it was. I think it was one with Kurt Aaron. It's a bad feeling. It's, it's a bad feeling when you, you go pleasure hunting and... Your dog eats your buddy's dog. Yeah, your dog eats your buddy's <laughs> dog. And it, I can't remember exactly which one that was. It was a guy that owned track man talking about Yeah, that's, that must have been what it was. But yeah, he was like, it's, it's a bad feeling when you go hunting and your dog tears your buddy dog up and you just can't have that. No, you can't have that. Now, you got to have good-natured dogs. But here's here's what I like in a tree dog for competition. I like a dog when it hits that tree, it stays there. If an aggressive dog comes in there, give him room, move around, set back, just stay there. 
Yeah. Give him that room. Don't roll and fight to the death. Just give him enough to get him off and move. Stay over. Some guys want him to go in there and fight for blood and glory. They're crazy. They're like a bunch of idiots standing outside the boxing ring watching Muhammad Ali and Joe Frieder. Kill him, kill him, kill him. No. <laughs> get that dog off that tree. Get it back. Make it stay back. If you can get it to set back right there underneath that tree, who cares if he's up on that wood blowing 100 bars a minute? If he's sitting there and he's barking 25 bars a minute, he's under the monkey. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. And that's he, true. he's winning. He ain't getting in trouble. He's, and then a smart dog, if he gets with an aggressive dog, he'll try to get away from him. He'll take off another direction. But when that dog does that, and that son of a me too sucker comes in and tries to do it again, that's when you got to, you know, put your foot down. Hey, we, we got to do something here. Let's put this dog under warning. You know where my dog is? You ever see my dog treat another dog? No problem. This dog's giving problems. He goes, boom. That's just the way it goes. He's out of there. Yes, don't sir. don't let him uh, withdraw. Scratch him. Put that scratch on him because three and you're out for a couple years or five years. I forget. You're, you're done. That dog's life's over with. You, you sell him as a pleasure dog. Somebody just wants to go out and shoot hide or hide dog. You know what I mean? Unless you can break him. And there's sometimes you can break a dog. Now, I don't know what them boys out there can tell you, but I tell you something because I never know when I'm going to die. You get out there, and you got a good dog, and you got one of them dogs that want to grab, tell you what you do. Have your friend with you. You take that rough sucker, you put him down on the ground on his back, not on his side, on his back. Hold him down. Take your fingers, your thumb, and you put your, you grip your finger up like a claw, like you're going to grab him around, right around his throat, like a dog would, like teeth. And you help hold him there and have your buddy hold that good dog over him. And you make him stay like that till he submits where he is totally calm. Now, I learned this, and I didn't think it would work, but I have seen it work, and I learned it from the dog whisper. Yeah. And really? that's how you I've, do I've it. I've seen the same thing on there, yeah. That's why I was sitting there shaking my head, yeah. That sounds about right. Right. If you think about the wolves, the alpha wolf, when he goes over, they all lay down. He's the kingpin. Yes. So you're making that dog submit to the softer dog. And he don't want to do that no more. You go out and start hunting. You go, wow, that really works. Thank God, that really works. It's, sometimes it don't work. A lot of dogs that fight a tree won't fight on a leash. They'll walk side by side. They'll fight over a day coon, but they won't fight on a leash. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah, you've seen it. So that's what you're trying to do is make them get along. You don't put up. you got to be the alpha male in your pack. That's all it is. You got to be the boss. You say, no, no. But you don't take clubs and beat the damn dog down. I've seen guys shoot dogs for running a deer. That's bullshit. Oh, yeah. That dog will run a trick, couldn't real nice, and then he run a deer and shoot him. Break the dog. Tell him you don't want him to do this, and he'll stop it. And you hunt him by yourself. That's just common sense. Do you ever hear people talk about portals? Portals? Portals. Like, between dimensions? Yep. Yes, sir. 
I was back out here in Carmichael Area's golf course, a big field out there. I got old Flint back through there. This is God's truth. Turning loose, he ran a track right across that field. And I've been through that field I don't know how many times. This is the truth. I'll say it to the day I die. I still can't understand it. A dog went through there, he treed. I started to go in there and I stopped to listen, you know, just about where he was between them houses. So I didn't, you know, get, you know, somebody hollering at me. And all of a sudden, it's just like I blacked out and I woke up in another world. I was alive, but I'm standing surrounded by Indians. Check it out, Indians. No, I don't do drugs. I haven't touched liquor probably in 30 years. Wasn't drunk. I just good old harcoon hunter. And I seen, it was like a light behind these Indians. And they had me surrounded doing a war cry. Hey, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I thought I died. And I'm asking God, I said, did I die? Did you take me back in time? Is this where I came from? You know, you know, my, you know, my ancestries. I'm trying to think of why am I here? This is crazy. Then all of a sudden, as soon as I came in, I went out. And I was still standing in the field. Wasn't laying down, standing in the field. I backed the hell out of that field. I would not go get that dog. You tell me what happened there. Have you been back to that field since then? No, haven't been back in that field since. There was no blue light. There was nothing. I just walked out through. It's like you walking out in your yard, and all of a sudden it happened. I've heard stories of other people that something like that has happened to, but never wild coon hunting. And even then, those people didn't have an explanation for what happened. It was almost like a... Oh, I don't know, a time slip or something to where yeah, it, it's just like I jumped through time. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of other people talk about that. That's I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I wasn't expecting you to. I'm say just that telling either. you what I experienced. Wow. You want to know what I experienced in all oh, those years? Yeah. That. I'd, and uh, another time, I had my granddaughter. I started her off in the woods at five years old. When she was 11 years old, you can turn her loose with a 22, and she'll go, go get that dog up over a mountaintop down the other side. She just couldn't come back with the dog. 11 years old, by herself. Yep. We were out coon hunting one night on state game lands, 223. Got out of the truck, turned all loose, and we're standing there. And all of a sudden, we heard this. That was it. I thought I was hearing things. Sound like a freaking UFO to me. So I looked up. I didn't see nothing. I said, my granddaughter? Said, you hear that? You know what she said? Sound like a UFO. That's exactly what it sounded like to me. Like it was right over us, and it just took off. We walked underneath the UFO, but couldn't see it. Hmm. And it just—it had that humming noise, and then it just shot off. I thought another weird thing happened to me, but otherwise not. Yeah, yeah. The state you live in is there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that state from the the government. Appalachian the, trails, yeah, all the way yeah. down. Yeah, the Appalachian yeah. Mountains run all the way from New York all the way down into you know down into foothills of Kentucky and Maryland and all that down through yeah, there. It goes a long ways. Oh yeah, it runs through North Carolina, the top of South Carolina, all the way into Georgia. Yeah. Here's what I would say to all those out there. Don't worry about looking for them. 
They'll find you. They know where you're at. They know where you're at. That'd be like me and you living in the woods. If somebody comes in the area, we're going to hear them before they even get, you know, even see us. They, they got watchers. I'm sure they got watchers. They got people posts. They don't want to be touched by you. That's why they're so elusive. And their dark collar hair, they just blend in with the darkness. You wouldn't be surprised if something that big could be maybe have his head up underneath a log laying across the ground. Or have something dug out, covered, like, you know, some people try to survive. Think of all the tactics that we know, but they know better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And can probably and, see certain light spectrums that we can't see. Like, we can't see infrared. I, I think they might be able to see and they, feel they, infrared. I, I know they see some because I'm going to tell you, those eyes will glow with or without light. You just never forget it. The canines on that guy is his upper teeth. Mind you of Dracula. And them little long top canine teeth. And when it showed its teeth, they were big human teeth, but they had them canine. So I knew right there and then in my mind, that thing eats meat. Yes, sir. Besides berries, that thing will eat meat. So if you heard now, you hear, oh, I seen him pick up a 300-pound uh, hog and just put it up underneath his arm and walk off. And then boom. Uh, one guy said he'd seen him down in the swamp, pick up a pig while he was deer hunting and, and just picked it up and slammed it up against the tree, killed it, and carried it off. We can't do that. Absolutely not. But no, don't go looking for them. You don't want to mess with them because uh, people see them from a distance. They're still in shock from it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the whole idea of uh, the Sasquatch, I mean, it, it fascinates me and you know, the stories and, and stuff like that. Just the, the cryptids in general does, but um, especially mm-hmm. like the coon hunting part. But I'm when I go coon hunting, I'm not looking for I'm Right, we're I'm not, not looking for that. We just for listen it. for the dog. Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. I, 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 I block all that out. Hey, I've, I've made it this far. If they really wanted me, they could have had me many, many times. That's right. It warned me. And I, I heed its warning. I respect that. I respect it. That's respectable. Yeah, you, you ain't messing with that. You, there ain't no way you be. You, you got to be insane. You got to be high on methane or what would they call that? <laughs> Man, yeah. I don't even Man, know what that yeah. stuff is. You got to be way out there to go take on Godzilla. You know. Absolutely. But like I said, just think about a Ford truck or standing up on its ass end. That's what it kind of reminded me of. It was just massive. I mean, really, really big. Like the man said on TV, he says, I don't know, but it's a really, really big, big person. <laughs> so that's why when I watch some of this, like that, they're how to hunt, share your story. That guy's got over 5 million views, and because people, nobody believes him, and they can express their feelings on that. And now you're doing it with your podcast. And people, this is an interesting subject because people to go out there and hunt, they want to know what's out there, what to expect. What can I do, you know, to maybe save my life? That's right. To get back out of the woods. I like to go in, but I like to come out as well. You stand still. If you're looking, I've seen or not seen, I've heard of a lot of encounters where they would stare. They even give them a smile and walk away. What are you going to do? Here I am. What are you going to do? You do that. Go ahead, buddy. You can have whatever you want. You can have the berries, the deer. I'm going over here. I'm going to 
I'm going to shop and save. <laughs> you go ahead. You can have all, all the deer and the bear meat you want, man. And just like I told him, I'm thinking, man, you know, he might have been following me around eating them coon when I skinned him out. Yeah, he might have been. been. And uh, somebody said, well, maybe she was having birth. I said, hell no, she was standing up, flipping that tree like a twig. I've just never seen power like that. It would take, you know, and I know a bulldozer to move that tree like that, shake it. Yeah. Yes, sir. Now imagine that. That's wild. It's crazy, crazy. And I see it. What what really gets you when you see it, when you absolutely see it, you, you're just like blown away. And when it screams, that infrasound just hits you like a truck. It's just like somebody comes up and hits you in the chest with a ball bat. It it it, it impacts you. It just stuns you. You're like, they say that stuff about them lions when they run up in it. If some of them just freeze. That low tone, that infrasound, it kind of frees you in your tracks. But I know one thing, I, I wasn't moving. No way. When I opened my eyes and it was gone. I can't I, even imagine. I'll tell you, I was so scared. I, I shed tears. I was oh. that scared. Mm. I don't want to oh. see it again. I don't want to see it again. I, I don't want to see it again. I'm telling you, I don't want to see it again. <laughs> I don't want to see it at all. I don't either. But let your sixth sense kick in. If you feel something ain't right, leave. Just leave. And an old man told me that. When I was having that little encounter down there in that Peg's Hollow, I asked old Dan McNatt, man, I was 90 years old. I said, Dan, did you ever go in the woods and Something was weird, like your dog didn't want to hunt. He's hunted all his life, and he's got his head down, and he's looking back. I had that happen with me with a hawk. I couldn't get that dog in the truck. I had to catch him and put him in the truck. It was uh, one of them Table Rock Mundo dogs. He was out of Table Rock Flying Hawk. Never forget it. Beautiful big dog. Silent. Not loud, but pretty son of a gun. And he treated it. Turned him loose. He would not go hunt. He went to that truck. When he won that truck and he was loading that truck, I left. Nah, that ain't right. Something's in there that ain't right. He's telling me I, I'm out of here. There's something there you don't want to mess with. So I got in the truck. I said, wow, I had to catch this dog to get him in the truck. The only way you get him is that tree. If he's loose, hell, he'd give you a hell of a time to get him. You know, he wasn't going to come until he wanted to come. Believe me, I wish I had a shock around his neck a few times. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, Absolutely. that shit gets old. You, you're sitting there begging that son of a gun. That shit gets old. On, <laughs> now, I don't think so. I'm, I think we'll hang out here a little bit, you know. You know, you try to go in the dog's mind. Well, Mr. Johnny, we're almost an hour and 15 minutes into this conversation. Okay. I surely do appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, talk with us. Yes, sir. We absolutely appreciate it. We need to talk again. But seriously, we don't have to prove they're out there. They're out there. If you if you ever encounter, don't don't worry about people laughing at you. You know it's true. You know what your eyes see. You know what you feel in an encounter. 
and there's other people out there. They want to hear, but they, they just want to know how did you escape it or what did you do? There's nothing you can do. You just carry the memories. And I mean, they're very, very strong in your mind. You know, it's just like having your first car. Everybody remembers their first car. That was my first encounter. Face to face. Yes, sir. And uh, I don't ever want to say really pissed. Yeah, it was just a warning. I, I don't want to say where he'd be coming down there raging mad and wanting to destroy me because I would just collapse. I would just pass out. That's what I do. I'd probably go in shock. Has anybody, have you ever heard tell of anybody else in your area coming in contact with? Yeah, Bill Couser. Yeah, not only has he seen him twice, he personally seen him twice. He even had footprints and um, his tree, uh, where, you know, he, he went in and search and find twisted trees, branches that are twisted. And you know that's not common. You don't find bent over trees that are twisted. And you see some of that now on some of these YouTube channels where they're showing these crazy tree structures. I don't know. I never looked for them. I didn't pay no attention. I never seen nothing like that crazy in my woods. I didn't look for it because I'm out there in the dark. Yes, sir. You know? So I don't want to bother them. I know what, that's just like this one guy's always talking. Yeah, I see him. I see him. And he shows these little imaginary faces in there. Let me tell you, when he sees one, and it fronts him like me, he ain't going back in them woods. No. He ain't going where, how in the hell he built his home? He just want to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't care if you make it out of toothpick, but it's yours. I'm out of here. <laughs> right on. You know. Okay, good guys. Uh, good buddies. Uh, yeah, it was nice talking to you. And yeah, Joe House is Lipper, Hillbilly, Mac, and Bozo. If you can find the good old real Mac blood, that's the brains, Bozo for the tree, House of Zipper for the nose and the power. Well, man, you ha- happy hunting to you. Okay, you too. All right, Mr. Johnny, you be good, and we'll be talking to you, okay? God bless all you boys down south. Now. All right. All right thank thank you. you, sir. But if you want a good ass kicking, you come on up north. I'll go hunting <laughs> with you. I like your attitude. It wouldn't take much, <laughs> let me tell you. We need to go. <laughs> we need to go. You might have to carry me up a couple of them hills, but I'll go with you. My dog probably wouldn't know what to do when all them coons up there. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, it's just flooded. <laughs> hey, take it easy, good boys. I mean, good buddies. Good talking hey, to you. You too, sir. Yeah, God bless you, and may you have a very joyous life. And if you do see Bigfoot, I hope it's from a long distance. Yeah, he wasn't lying. I'm telling you, man, that thing is real. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Coon Hunting Confidentials on the Houndstooth Podcasting Network. If you want to get in touch with me, my email address is htpodinfo at gmail.com. That is h-t-p-o-d-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you with all your coon hunting stories that include the creepy crazy and the unexplained. Until next time, keep them dogs in the woods and happy hunting, y'all.